Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. So, um, man, this uh, as we're going through the commandments and, and seeing how much um, this is not rules. This really are just a, a caring father that's preparing his children to go through um, through this life, not only honoring him, but also honoring themselves and guarding, guarding uh, his people and loving on his people and everything else. So uh, today is definitely one of those commandments, the fourth commandment, when, when the care for, for his people is really, truly shown, at least to me. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, the fourth commandment out of Exodus, and I'm actually going to read it out of Deuteronomy. Again, Exodus is God speaking straight to the people of Israel. In Deuteronomy, this is Moses kind of reminding them again the, the, the deal that, uh, that they, they, they made with, with God. So in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, it's going to be 8 through 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your men servants or maid servants, nor your animals, nor your alien within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I just want to read out of Deuteronomy so that we kind of hear uh, bo- both of the messages. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded. I'm sorry, this is Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, 12 through 15. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Honor you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your maidservants, nor your maidservants, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservants and maidservants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arms. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And we're going to talk about... Um, the importance of that, why why I wanted to read too, because it's interesting in Exodus, he he reminded them about how God created in six days and rest on the seventh day. Here, Moses reminds them about the slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the people in Exodus didn't need to be reminded about the slavery. In Deuteronomy, this is a new, brand new generation. They don't know what God did. So he wanted to remind them, remind them of that. So it's just it's just interesting in that way. So we'll we'll dive more into it. But it was just this little change. But even in that change, you you, you see, God how God is kind of reminding and pointing out why we're doing the things that we're doing. He's not just like don't do this. There's a, there's a plan behind, and this is a plan to remind him a bunch how much how much he loves them and everything else. So we're gonna break up our teaching into three points. 
my, my, my wife, as much as she tries, she cannot get away from three point sermons. And each sermon starts with the same letter. The same letter. It's, like she was happens. very excited about it. Makes it makes me happy. <laughs> it's just something very exciting for her. For her. Makes it easier to remember. <clears throat> so we're going to go through three steps. Uh, rest, <clears throat> rely, and remember. So those are the three points that we're going to give. And in each point, we're going to have uh, some steps behind it. All right? So the first thing we want to say before we get into the teaching on Sabbath and what the Bible has outlined, the way it was kept by Israel, and the way that we're intended to keep it as Christians, uh, the first thing we want to explain is the fact that the Sabbath was given as a sign of the covenant between God and Israel. So now we're looking at the Ten Commandments that uh, these are wisdom laws that we don't have to be legalistic about, but they are something that is true even for us as Christians, that there's wisdom in following them. Like we've said about all the commandments, that we don't need to be legalistic about things and we have to tread carefully because we're under grace and we have freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, all of these laws that God outlines are universal in many ways and they're meant for our good and not to control us or uh, to bind us in any way in a legalistic way. <coughs> but to first start off to show that this was a sign of the covenant, that uh, the God, remember we talked about last week, how God set the people of Israel apart and he put his name on them. And he, they were meant to be a priesthood and a light to all nations because they were set apart as holy. That God was trying to make them an example to the world of who God is, of his glory, and of what his expectation was for all of humanity. But they were meant to, to carry that out. And one of the things he says is that you will honor my Sabbath. That you will stand out from the rest of the world who thinks that they have to grind it out and they have to work every single day in order to get ahead. They have to work day in and day out in order to survive. You will set apart 24 hours of your day. It will be inconvenient. It will disrupt your life. It will make you stand out from the nations around you. You will observe my, my Sabbaths as a sign of the covenant. And so Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 12 he specifically says this. He says, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us, again, a sign of the covenant, so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. And remember, the word holy means set apart. So again, we're seeing that they're a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests that are holy to the Lord. And it's, it's not that they're holy by their own actions. It's not that they're holy by their good works or their activity, but they're holy because God has made them holy. God is the one who redeemed them from Egypt. God is the one who's renewing them as a people and setting them apart in the same way that God, we, we're saved not by anything that we do. We're saved not by our religious activity, but we're saved because God has set us apart. He has made us holy. He has redeemed us. So there's certain truths that... We're, while we're not, uh, like we were talking about earlier, we're not a new Israel. That's, mm -hmm. that's false theology. There is only one people of Israel, the Jewish people. And Christians have been grafted in to that family. But we are not by nature part of, well, I'm, I'm saying we, but my husband is, is Jewish. So. <laughs> so some of us at the table are Gentiles and we've been grafted in. So there's not a replacement theology where the, the church has now become, the, the promises that are made to Israel are not universally applied to us. But again, there's wisdom in following this example because Israel was meant to be an example to the rest of us of what godly living was meant to look like, of what God's standards were. 
Yeah, and and this kind of standard started from the beginning. Just like in the Exodus, it ends it ends with a reminder about God, and we just wanted to kind of read quickly those verses. This is out of Genesis chapter two, right after at the end of the creation, chapter two, uh, verse two and three. It says, "By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work." And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all work of creating that, that he had done. So a couple, a couple of things. The seventh day was always holy. Like the Sabbath thing started at the beginning, like the creation of the beginning. So that, that's just a beautiful thing that from the beginning of creation, we have this. So this is not something new. So for us to be like, oh, kind of throwing it out, out um because it was actually because it was Ten Commandments. No, this this was done long time ago by God. The other thing I want to point out is God wasn't tired. <laughs> it's not like he needed that rest. It's not like the seventh day. When we talk about Sabbath, it's not that because you're so tired and it's the seventh death. No, because it's holy. I'm sure he still had stuff to do. He could have created more animals. He could have created more mountains and lions and other different kind of creatures out there he could have done that but to him he was like what i needed to do i got it done in those six days and he's just given us this awesome um plan the the form of how to live our lives that listen in six days we got you got this you know seventh day keep it holy and set apart and that's how it's just just beautifully uh intertwined through the whole uh, bible and through through the, our whole uh, existence pretty much so a piece of this is in order for us to understand what a sabbath should look like because many of us don't implement a day of sabbath the closest we might come is that we go to church on sunday mm-hmm. but sunday was never meant to be a replacement for the sabbath it's a sabbath keeping is totally different from just having a day that you don't work and that you just go to church and and again sunday was considered the lord's day the day that we remember his resurrection but it's technically the first day of the week sabbath is the last day of the week. And normally Jewish people celebrate it from Friday night to Saturday night. Again, we don't have to be legalistic about this, but if we if we feel a conviction from the Lord that we want to be more Christ-like, Christ honored the Sabbath. And so if we feel that this is a practice that we want to incorporate into our life, you may pick a day of the week when you are off from work or when you have you know the most flexibility, but it should be a consistent pattern. It should have a rhythm because it's meant to shape your life. And we have certain rhythms you sleep, you get up, we brush our teeth. You know, there's certain, we all have rituals that we do on a daily basis and it kind of guides our life and, sh- and it shapes us and forms us according to those patterns. And so when we incorporate a Sabbath, it should be, it doesn't necessarily have to be Friday night to Saturday night. It could be Sunday if that's what, what works for you, but it would be ideal to set aside 24 hours that are for the most part consistent because again, those rhythms shape our life and they they guide us in our transformation. And it's something that we can also look forward to, that you know that every Sunday is your Sabbath and that's the day you get to just you get to just delight in the Lord and you get to rest from all of your labor and do some things that allow you to abide with Christ. So I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves. But before we can really understand what the Sabbath should look like, we first have to understand God's intention with work. So many of us think that work is something that came because of sin and, be, and came because of the fall and that everything was perfect in Eden and there was no, you know, we just lived in peace and, 
And because of sin, we now have work and we have to work to survive and we have to, you know, labor hard uh, in order to get ahead. But work was actually instituted before the fall. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, and then he gives his commandment not to eat from the tree, which we know. And what happens is, is that work was something that God, I mean, God worked when he created the world. And it says that he rested on the Sabbath from all of his work. So he set this pattern for us that was meant to be, we're meant to have a productivity. We're, we're made to be creative. We're made to, uh, to accomplish things. God has a plan for our lives that involves that work should be redemptive. Work should, it's okay to find some meaning in your work. It's okay to, uh, to find some purpose for your life in your work. And we're meant to advance the kingdom through the work that we do. What happens though is in the fall, uh, we see that because of the fall uh, in Genesis chapter 3, starting in uh, verse 17, it says, because, um, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So what actually happens is that because of the fall, work has become burdensome. Work has become difficult. Instead of reigning over creation, since Adam was taken from the ground, the ground becomes cursed. And now he has to serve the land in order to survive. So work was meant to be fruitful. It was meant to be something that was joyful and productive. And because of the fall, we see that it becomes something that is burdensome, something that does not come easily, something that comes through suffering and pain and hardship and ultimately leads to, to our death. Uh, and you see this progress as you get to Exodus, where we see that God's people, not only has work become burdensome, but now they're actually enslaved and when you're enslaved, there there is no rest. You are working under the slave master, right? And there's toil that goes, I mean, people would die in their work because of exhaustion. So we see this, this um, degeneration of what God intended work to be all the way to the point that the people of God are enslaved. And, we, and in, Gen, in Exodus chapter 3, in Exodus chapter three, verse seven, yeah, it's, it talks about that. It's, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So now, just like Trish said, it went from just work, do what you got to do, to now it's going to be hard. Now you're slave to it, and there's nowhere to go. So that that's why, and then, again, this is kind of the redeeming part of now of the of people of israel of coming back to uh exodus chapter 20 where we're, where we're seeing um the ten commandments when he's telling them about the sabbath and there's this pattern in scripture where god sets us free and then we we our sinful nature and our rebellion binds us and leads us back to slavery and bondage and then God sets us free. <laughs> and so there's this repeated pattern in scripture, uh, again, until we see the freedom that we have in Christ, where we were enslaved to our sin, where we literally could choose nothing but sin. And Christ redeems us and sets us free, hopefully once and for all, that, that restoration back to Eden, that we have 
um, that full redemption where we're, right now we're living in the, in the not yet where we have a partial redemption. We're fully redeemed in Christ, but we don't see all of the fruit of that until we're, you know, reunited with the Lord in, in heaven. And so we live in that space where we're waiting for the full redemption and the restoration where God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah, and it gets to a point, and it's, it's, it's so sad, and you see God, uh, the Father's love for his people, when they feel like the Sabbath, honestly, it looks like he's forcing them to take a rest. He's like, no, you got to take a rest. You, I, I, need, I do not want you to be living in the slavery like you used to. So in uh, Exodus 31, 12, uh, from 12 to 17, I'm going to read. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So we talked about it's that it's that new covenant. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. He's threatening them with their life if they don't rest. Like, it's just one of those things. I mean, I'm sure some of us have been stubborn enough to that, too. Like, when we're sick and the doctor and your family members say, like, you need to lie down. Like, oh, no, no, I got to do this and this and that, right? So, so God's like, here's like, hey, you relax or somebody's going to stone you. How about that? Like, he, he goes to that kind of extremes, but he wants to see rest in his people. For six days, work, to be, work is to be done, but on the seventh day, the uh, Sabbath of rest Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any... Oh, I'm sorry. I read that. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he, he abstained from work and rested. So again, it's just this amazing image of, of, of your parents, right? Like, you need to rest. Go lie down. He's, he's for, yes, it's like a forceful thing, but it's so out of love because the, he sees the pain. And I was joking with Trish. It says work for six days and rest for seven. So those of us who are working for five days, we need to get a part-time job uh, for no. that six. That's not what it's saying. Yeah, I, I just, no, that's not what it's saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, but it's, it's the point. It's point of looking. Again, it's, it's, he's really going there for your benefit. It's out of his love it's not something like out of out of i don't know it's it's control. not control yeah thank you it's not out of control so the thing about the sabbath is that god makes it pretty simple he just says don't work rest that's really scripture talks about the sabbath in the old testament at least 111 times and then there's some discussion of sabbath even in the gospels and in the new testament so there's an overwhelming emphasis on the Sabbath, but God does not break it down into all these burdensome rules. He only outlines about four categories. He says not to start a fire, not to gather food, um, not to buy or sell goods, and not to carry burdens, uh, which could be either physical burdens or emotional burdens. And that's pretty much it. But what happens is the Jewish people in their, in their striving... Uh, were so afraid to break the Sabbath uh, that they created 39 categories of how not to break the Sabbath. 39, those are just categories 
of, and then there's sub rules to each of those categories. So by the time you get to the, the life of Christ, there are so many rules that the Sabbath, which was meant to give freedom and rest, has now become burdensome. It's become completely bogged down. It's like this heap, this, and instead of not carrying a burden, now you have all of these rules that you have to be paranoid about on the Sabbath. Yeah, and it kind of looks, sounds the same way from less teachings about, he said that uh, make sure that you bear my name um, correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Don't use my, my name wrong wrong way and everything else so they just stopped using it all together they stopped having that relationship of being able to call their heavenly father by the first by, by his name so they just stopped calling him all together right and they added more rules to it and they can't write it anymore if you have to write it you have to do all these things added all these rituals and lost the relationship that was something that was simple of, of god asking them to do correctly just uh, about his name, and now because of the human rules and everything else, it became so complicated that their relationship was broken. And with the same thing here, he just wanted you to rest, to relax, and they're like, "Well, wait, we need to add more." Right. He, this is what he really meant, and um, that is such a reflection of what, what we do sometimes. We, we hear the, we read the word is like, and we we take it so far away from what God actually has for us. He makes it pretty simple for us, does. doesn't he? Yeah. But we always try to make it more complicated than it really is. And so what you see in, in the New Testament is you see the life of Jesus and he, he honored the Sabbath. He lived, we know that he lived a perfect life. And, you know, some may argue, well, Christ was always, when he talks about the Sabbath, he, he breaks the Sabbath and he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he didn't have to follow the Sabbath. He was healing people. He was doing these things. But what his point was, was that the religious leaders, according to their definition of Sabbath, he was breaking the Sabbath. But he, as the Lord of the Sabbath, was saying, I know what my father intended by the Sabbath, and what you all have made it is not what it is. So he didn't break the Sabbath. He was just restoring its original intention. So he, when you, when you see the confrontations that the Pharisees and Sadducees have with him about the Sabbath, he's always instructing them. Like when they confronted him about the grain in the field that his disciples took, he says, don't you know the story about how David went into the temple? And he was... So he's he's making a point that that they have made something they've added all these rules um, that have taken away the heart of what the Sabbath is, which is to rest. And there's this beautiful story. This is also in the same chapter, Matthew chapter twelve. If you want to read about what Jesus has to say about the Sabbath, uh, verses nine through twelve. It says, going from that place, he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because from their definition, that was creating work. But what Jesus uses is that there was a higher law, according to Hebrew tradition, which was that you, above all else, you should do what you can to save a life. And so he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And verse 13 says this, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he restored it out. uh, He stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. And so there's this contrast, how Jesus is restoring life and restoring wholeness, which is what Sabbath was intended to do. It was meant to give us rest and take our fragmented lives and give us a sense of wholeness and order. 
And instead of, of believing and seeing that Jesus was doing the good things, they actually get upset because he broke their rules about Sabbath. And so they plot to actually take his life. Yeah. So will we, will we go to the next point, point is that we need to rely on God. The whole Sabbath part about uh, not only that he knows what he's doing and we need to rest in his, in his presence and, and in his plan, but also just um, rely on him. Like truly rely on what he has, and and God was teaching them, teaching this to them, before even the commandment happened, with manna. Mm-hmm. In Exodus chapter sixteen, four chapters before, before them getting the, the ten commandments, and I don't know exactly how long, <laughs> the time the, ti- the time span before that, but they were hungry, they ran out of food, and they were asking for food from God, right. This is Exodus 16. And it's the whole chapter. I'm just going to kind of jump through through it, everything else. And they were asking for food. And he said, hey, food will come to you tomorrow. Tomorrow you will gather. You, I will give you manna. He says you can gather only just enough for one day. Mm-hmm. An Omar. Whatever Omar is. <laughs> gather gather every day, but just enough for, for one day. Cook. Use, use it to cook and eat it. Because... If you hold on to it, by night, it's going to get spoiled, right? And they, of course, they have to learn that lesson themselves. They don't listen to it. But he says, on the, yeah, on the sixth day, collect twice as much. Mm-hmm. Because on the seventh day, because it's Sabbath and it's holy, I'm not going to provide manna for you. you got to trust me. So on the sixth day, now they're collecting twice as much as the day before, and they're baking and everything else. And the sixth day, they all come out waiting to get more, and there's nothing there. They had to rely on God that on the seventh day, what they picked on the sixth day will be enough. They had to rely on God that on the sixth day, he's going to give them the double portion. And I'm sure for the first couple of weeks, the Sabbath, they came out on the seventh day. It's like, man, I was hoping because maybe they ate all of it on the sixth day because they, they thought it was coming. Right. But it's just that reliable. And he's been teaching them this whole time, every day, just pick just what you need. Every day, just because on the sixth day, I'm just going to give you twice as much. It's going to be more than enough on the seventh day. Trust me. Don't worry. On the eighth day, it's going to come again. But it's this relying on him and learning for them. So when he says in the, in, on the Ten Commandments, hey, for six days, work. Seventh day, just relax. I will provide for you. This is not something new for them. He's been teaching them this whole time as they were walking towards the Mount Sinai. So a huge part of the intention of the Sabbath is not only that we rest, but the second piece of it is that we learn to rely on God. And the, the principle of the Sabbath, the rhythm of six cycles and then the seventh you rest, not only went for seven days out of the week, but there were also a cycle of seven years. So we see in Leviticus 25, there's actually most of the chapter actually talks about this pattern and what God's expectation of it is. But in Exodus 25... Verse 22, Leviticus 25. I'm sorry, again, yeah, not Exodus, Leviticus 22, 25, uh, starting in, uh, actually, yeah, verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 18. Leviticus 25, verse 18. He says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. The land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? 
And this is what God says, teaching them to rely on him. He says, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. Mm -hmm. So while you eat, even during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop from the, from the sixth year, and you will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. So he's, his point is, is that if you, if you honor me by following this, this Sabbath pattern, I will not only bless you with what you need, but I will give you an abundance to carry you through. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a, an additional pattern that seven times seven, there was what was considered a year of Jubilee, which is this ultimate countercultural event that would happen in the 50th year. And in the year of Jubilee, uh, not only were they meant to give the land rest for a year, but all of the land that had been sold to someone else, like if you had debt and you went into bankruptcy, it was restored to you. And if you had debt that, uh, that kind of forced you into bondage or slavery and you were having to be a servant, all of the servants were set free. So not only did the land rest, the animals rest, but humans found total restoration mm-hmm. and everything was made equal again. Any debts were forgiven. Anyone who... Um, I mean, people were just set free. So it was a year of total liberation and kind of the culmination of all of these Sabbaths. You know, the seven sevens that are in the the weekly cycle, the seven sevens in the annual cycle, and then seven times seven in the year of Jubilee. And we'll get into some of the symbolism of this in a in a minute. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't get to it yet. Oh, Luke chapter four? Yeah, I, that's where I'm going. So Luke chapter four... With this year of Jubilee, this is where, again, you see how the Old Testament and New Testament come together. So, this is Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as, as was his custom. And he stood up and read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Un- un- unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom of the prisoners and recover of sights for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the year of the Lord's favor, it's the, the year of the Jubilee that he's announcing. Then he rolled, rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the signals were fasted on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he's announcing this promise that, that, that Isaiah, and this is Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, that, that promises this great jubilee, where a uh, year of jubilee, where all these things happen, where people are, not only they get their debt canceled, their, that the servants are free, that the land gets free, all, all those things, right? It's, not, it's more than that. The blind will see, the 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 press will be released. There's all these things that you will see Jesus doing in the gospel after that. So he's starting off this this teaching, his ministry of announcing that the Jubilee, the year of the Jubilee here, the year of the Lord's favor is here. And that's a powerful thing about, and again, and he's preaching this on the Sabbath to remind them of where they actually at. So then we see the teaching to, to follow up with this, that Jesus is, is here to, to restore that order, again, to the next level of God trying to restore us back to his perfect creation, 
where he, this, the oppressed are set free. There's kind of this equalizing of, you know, people being set out of darkness and healing and all of that. And that's why Jesus, uh, going back to Matthew 12, had said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And when he said that, he was equating himself with God. And that's part of the reason why the Pharisees were so upset with him, because they understood what he was trying to say, that he got to define the rules of the Sabbath because he was equal to the Father. And he, But he also states elsewhere, he says that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And that's where they had kind of come to. God outlines very clearly in scripture that he instituted the Sabbath so because we're God is infinite. Like he, we said earlier, he's, he doesn't get tired. But he did that as a model for us because we're finite. We only have limited resources. We get tired. Um, and so he, he gave us the Sabbath as a way to renew and restore us, to teach us to rest in him, to teach us to rely on him. There's many things he's trying to teach us through the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was created for our benefit, not that we should be enslaved to it. So uh, Matthew chapter 6, are you there? Yes. I am. So in Matthew chapter 6, we're just kind of, he has, has this great preaching about relying on God. Um, this, this is a part of the, sorry, part of the, the Sermon on the Mount and everything else. And he talks, and I'm just going to read it through just to, to remind us of, of what he's teaching about relying on God. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who are you? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass on the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire. Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. But each day has enough trouble of its own. So again, it's just this beautiful reminder by Jesus that we really should rely on God and God alone. From the beginning to the end, for what any needs that we have, he's going to provide for us. So when the Sabbath comes, we shouldn't be worried about it's a sixth day and we're like... What's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to have enough food? What, what, he got you. He absolutely has you covered. And you should take time to prepare for that day of rest, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't become consumed with worry about how you will, how you will survive, what you will eat, what you will wear. And yeah, thank you. Things. Yeah, just again, even looking at the manna, he says, grab two. Like, grab two Omars. On the sixth day, right? He's not saying, like, just grab one and somehow it's going to be multiplied on the seventh. No, he's like, just grab two. You might have to work on the sixth day. Even, like, something for, for us, if I know that on, seventh, uh, on Saturday to Sunday I'm going to have my Sabbath, I'm going to get some stuff done on, on Friday night. A little bit. So it's just preparing for that Sabbath day. 
So the third thing that God tries to teach us through the Sabbath, uh, the third wisdom that we can take away from this practice and instill into our lives is that the Sabbath was meant to be remembered. We hear on and on and on through scripture. He says, remember the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath. Um, And there's three primary ways that we're, how we're meant to remember and what we're meant to remember. Um, The first is that the Sabbath is holy. It's a day that is set apart from all the other days. Uh, and we know, again, under under Christ, that not just one day a week, but all the days of the week are meant to be holy. We're meant to worship him 24-7. But this practice was meant to recenter and reorient your life. That that day of rest was not meant to just, I mean, you could take a nap, but it was not meant to just live any way you wanted. It was meant for you to center your day in worship to read the word, to have some time in prayer, and to see that that became the anchor of your life around which all the other days revolved, and that your time was not your own any day out of the week, but all the days of the week belonged to the Lord, that he was He was the one who owned all time, not just the Sabbath day. Did you want to say something about that? Yeah. Um, I know, you hit your elbow. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's having a moment. Yeah, no. It's the worst. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> no, and, and just just kind of remember, and the, the reason we we read the whole thing about Sabbath, there's a very important part of, in in this uh, commandment. It doesn't say just uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and then he says, and your children, and your servants, and your animals, and the alien in your gate, everybody. So we, he didn't want to see of this is my day off, but you're going to be doing all your work. <laughs> You're going to serve me. You're going to serve me today. No, everybody in your life should take Sabbath. So that's why it says don't buy or sell anything on the Sabbath. If all of us would follow Sabbath, maybe Saturday to Sunday the stores would be closed and people could be at home. Or Friday to Saturday. As we we listen to the the teachings, there was a lot of pastors pastors who who had been to Israel. And they were like, it's really weird. From Friday to Saturday, the place is shut down. Everybody gets the rest. The stores close down. The whatever. Everybody just around three, four o'clock on Friday. Yeah, everything is busy. slammed and busy because everyone's doing their last minute preparations. Okay. But then once sundown comes on Friday, everything shuts down. This is mostly in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, not all of Israel does yeah. this, but where there's a concentration of uh, very religious Jewish people. Yeah, but that's that's the um, that's the power down. of mm-hmm. of the of the keeping the Sabbath. So it's not only it gives me rest. Now it gives you rest. Now you know you don't have to work that day, right? That yeah. that's that's a big um, impact on those around us. And even honoring the animals and the land were a part of it. So it was literally everything. So as you can see, this the Sabbath is so much more than what we have kind of made it. First of all, we're doing it on. It's not the intended day, but it's not just going to church for an hour. This is meant to be something that your whole life. Uh, is reoriented around Mm -hmm. Uh, and this kind of gets into so not only do we remember that the sabbath is holy but the second thing we're meant to remember is god's justice Mm -hmm. Uh, that god so uh, the the account of sabbath in in exodus as he mentioned earlier 
centered on God's creative activity and how in creation on the, on the seventh day he rested and so therefore the Sabbath is holy. But the Deuteronomy account, he reminds them and he says, do not forget your slavery that, that God rescued you from. Do not forget how you were oppressed in Egypt. And so he says, let everybody rest, including your animals, mm-hmm. because there, there's a, an honoring that you don't oppress others. Not even your animals should be oppressed. That there's this liberation that happens in, in God's kingdom that restores the order. And over and over again throughout scripture, you see this theme of, of how God wants his people to be a people of justice. Mm-hmm. How there's social activity that's happening that's re dis, disassembling oppressive structures that's restoring god's intended order for everyone to be made in the image of god and everyone to be honored in the image of god and isaiah 58 is this beautiful chapter about all of this uh the most of the chapter is about uh fasting and the kind of fasting that god desires uh, which has to do with loosing the chains of injustice untying the cords of the yoke setting the oppressed free breaking the yoke but Interestingly enough, towards the end of the chapter, he he makes this is words that are coming directly from the Lord through the prophet, and he makes this point about the Sabbath. And in verse 13, he says, "If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord." I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So he gives this really authoritative kind of emphasis at the end of this text. And right after this whole text, and and we see that when Jesus declares the Jubilee again, there's this theme of the Sabbath being connected to, uh, again, breaking structures of oppression, breaking structures uh, that, uh, you know, that divide us and restoring God's natural order to the way he intended for his, for people to treat one another and for us to interact with all of creation. Mm. Yeah. So the third way that we remember, so we remember the Sabbath, that it is holy and set apart because of God's creation. We remember that the cause of justice, that part of the, the celebration of the Sabbath is to remind us of God's justice and how, how we're meant to be participants in that justice through creation. And then the third one is the prophetic part of the, of the Sabbath. We're meant to remember that Sabbath is a prophetic movement. So did you want to read Colossians? You got it? Yeah, no, I just, I didn't want, I, don't, I didn't want you to skip this before, before we go. Oh, yes. I, th- I think that was a very important point. As, as we looked at um, the Yeah, God exile, is so serious about this justice. About this I totally missed justice it. And consequences, right? We hear it all the time, even over there. Hey, if somebody breaks the Sabbath, they're going to they're gonna die. So there's this amazing thing, and we see that in different scriptures. You, you, you see it talking about in Ezekiel chapter 20. We see it in Leviticus chapter 26. We see it in Jeremiah 25 and 29 of God saying, if you don't keep my Sabbath, I'm going to send you to other nations. I will scatter you. I will yeah. scatter you. Mm-hmm. And there's this mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And then we find this, finally, they get to the place of exile, the Babylonian exile. And you count that they, were, they, they get exiled for 70 years. And if God, you look at it and God says, here, dive more into it. Okay. Go. <laughs> so so what, they, what they realized was that from the time of King David until the time of the exile was 490 years. 
And that was the amount of time that they had desecrated the Sabbath. That was the amount of time they did not honor the the annual restoration of the land. And so God specifically says, because of the number of years that you did not keep my Sabbath, you will be in exile. Because each of those years, 490 divided by 7 is 70. And so there were 70 years that they were scattered and they were sent into exile as punishment. And he says, during those years, you will, the land will get to enjoy the Sabbath that you deprived it, that the land will finally get to rest. So creation will get to rest because Israel, which had been set free, had become the oppressor. And the the wild part about this is that God tells them in Leviticus 26 that this is going to happen. He says, I'm telling you these things that you should honor them, but I know that you're going to break this covenant. So he, this Leviticus is centuries before they ever go into exile. And he, and he, God prophetically tells them that if you don't keep these Sabbaths, this is what I'm going to do. And eventually that's, I mean, he prophetically tells them that that's what's going to happen. And then you see later in the scriptures that that's, that's the fulfillment that happens through the Babylonian exile. All right, since you quoted, let me read it because it's, it's cool. It's Leviticus chapter 26. I will lay waste the land so that your enemies will live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nation and I will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lay in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years, all the time that it lies desolated and you're in the countries of your enemies. Then the land will restore and enjoy its Sabbath. So God is serious about this. Give land land that rest. It needs it. It's my creation. There, there's a big thing about it. He, so he said, so this is amazing thing. So finally, he's like, after 70 years of skipping it every well, 490, 490 70. years, every seven years for 490 years, those 70 Sabbaths that they missed of the land. Now they're paying, paying for it. Now they're gone for 70 years. Now, here's the cool part. Go, yes. Go ahead. So what, what we were, we realized as we were doing this is that historically, we all know the story where the apostles ask Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother, right? And what's the answer? 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Well, the answer to that is 490. So what they would have understood from that context is that they would have remembered that it was 490 years that they did not honor the Sabbath. So it was 70 times seven. And God and keeps then, forgiving them. And God keeps and forgiving, forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. But at 70 times seven, he says, now you will reap the consequences of your actions. So when he gives that number, it would have resonated with them that they would have remembered that God's judgment came after, literally after 70 times seven. And so not that we should be keeping tabs, but we see that he was very intentional about the words that he used. And he's, his, he's basically saying, be, be gracious as God has been gracious to you. Yeah, it was just we got excited, but because normally like seventy times seven, why seventy times seven? Why? What did that? I know God loves number seven, but why is that? But the, when we were going through this and connected the, to this four hundred ninety years and seven years of exile, we just got really excited. It was one of those like dorky Bible <laughs> Bible things. We but, thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, we <laughs> wanted to share that with us with you guys. So it's cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now we're looking at the prophetic part of the Sabbath. So in Colossians chapter two. It's, it's 16 and 70, and Paul is talking about this, about the Sabbath and about everything else. He says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. So he's just kind of talking about to Christians. It's like, hey, 
you celebrate, you don't celebrate. This is not the something that you're going to be judged in. Because it says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So this, all these covenants that, that the Israeli people had with God, it was just a shadow of the covenant they're going to have through Christ Jesus with mm. God. And one of the ways that we see this that's, that's powerful is the fact that, remember, the consequence of sin was death. The consequence that was given to Adam was that the land would be cursed and then from dust he was till dust he would return. That was the direct, the direct correlation. And the timing that prophetically foretold of Christ was that Christ died just before the, just before the Sabbath. And he laid in the tomb from Friday until early on the first day of the week. Mm. So God was saying, literally, Jesus finished his work and he rested until God resurrected mm. him on the first day of the week. So not only was all of the, the, the Sabbaths that when the reason God was so serious about it was pointing to the coming of Jesus, but the coming of Jesus ushers in a new creation because he was raised on the first day of the week. God is saying, I'm starting, I'm starting fresh. I'm starting over. I'm ushering in my kingdom the way that it was originally intended, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it was in heaven. And again, he's just been preparing them this whole time that on the seventh, sixth day, it might be really hard. But no, on the seventh day, there's going to be rest. On the seventh day, that's when you rely on me. That's when you rest in me. That's when you remember how faithful I am. So for disciples, when all of a sudden Jesus dies on the cross and he's laid into the tomb, here comes Sabbath. So they could be feeling down, and, and they were feeling down, but they also have this memory of all these years of celebrating God's the Sabbath. Yeah. God's faithfulness, God's promise, God, God, God's provision during that time. So God is comforting his disciples even during this time through preparing them out from the, uh, the Sabbath. So Jesus is in the grave during the Sabbath time, and something's coming next. God is providing. Just like in the year of Jubilee, I'm going to give you more than you need to. They're just hoping they're missing a man, a, hu a human, a human body. Jesus is in the human body, but it's coming so much more. Mm -hmm. He's coming back. The Holy Spirit is coming back. The salvation comes to us. The promises are coming to us. The rest is coming to us. It's all these things that God has been preparing from the beginning when he rested on that seventh day. It's just a beautiful, beautiful scene from, from Genesis up to, up to the gospel and, and further. So one of the, the things is that if we, if we decide to incorporate the practice of the Sabbath into our own lives, uh, not only will we, will we rest and learn to rely on God in a different way and, and then remember all that God has done, but there's, again, this prophetic piece that uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you have been found to fall short of it. And then it says in uh, verse, eight. verse 8, starting in verse 8 through 11, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So what, what are we looking for? We're looking to that point when Christ returns and he brings the kingdom in all fulfillment and we finally enter that permanent, perfect Sabbath rest. 
So what we get to do if we practice the Sabbath here and now, not in a legalistic way, but we incorporate that rhythm into our lives is that we are, we get to get a foretaste. We get to get a reminder of what we will get to enjoy in his presence for all eternity. Mm, hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. And just, just kind of to comfort you guys about, about how this looks like. So what, how do, how does Sabbath should look like? It's something that both Trish and I struggle with because we do keep, keep the Sabbath the best way possible and everything else. We, we do light those Sabbath candles and, and try to our best to find find rest in God, and uh, the freedom. Um, Paul talks in Romans chapter fourteen, verse five says, "One man considers one day more sacred than the other, and other man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord." And and this is the verse six. We went to verse six. The the main thing like. It doesn't matter what day you pick. The main thing you pick it for the Lord. It's not something that because I said so or some some other pastor or preacher or whatever. It's something that you got convicted and you're gonna address it and, and uh, surrender it to the Lord for that day. However that looks like and what you want to do. And sometimes it might be so, somebody calling in and be like, "Hey, can you do this job for me?" No, I, I can't. It's my Sabbath. And it might be. Uh, hard for you it might be difficult for you but you're the one who sets how this is going to look like but the main thing that you're giving it to the lord whatever decisions you make maybe it is i'm not gonna for me i'm not gonna work overtime during that during those 24 hours it might be i'm not gonna work out i'm not gonna if somebody tells me to help them move that's a good excuse like hey can you help me move a fridge no i'm sorry sabbath whatever it looks like maybe it's going to be the time where i'm going to spend more time in the word of God. Maybe it's going to be time of more time of worship or prayer, just catching up. We always say like, man, I don't have time to do my devo. I don't have time to pray for everybody that needs to be prayed over. Well, you're going to have one day that you can bust out your prayer list and pray for those people. You, you have all these books, Christian books that you've been wanting to read, but you never have time. This is the day that you know that you can read it. Maybe God put it on your heart to write a devotional, to write a book, to, to minister at, at a, a, some kind of other ministry. That could be the day that you're like, hey, this is the day that I'm going to do it. But it's something that God led you. It's not something that anybody put on your heart. Because unless it's the main thing that you do it unto the Lord and not just a legalistic thing. And the Lord is leading you to it. Absolutely. So the main thing takeaway for us is that as God leads us towards maturity in Christ, uh, the Sabbath practice has been something that has been a discipline for Christians throughout the centuries. Um, they've discovered that it's a, a again a day to rest, to rely on God, and a, a day to remember all His goodness and all that He's done and what He has yet to do. It's meant to be a day that is set apart as sacred and holy, but it's also meant to be a day that you can delight in, a day that you could look forward to, mm-hmm. that you can do all those things that you haven't had a chance to do on the other days of the week. Maybe it's spending time with family and playing games, visiting a friend, whatever that looks like, but making sure that you have a rhythm and a practice in your life of restoration and renewal because our our work and the stresses of life no one can burn the candle at both ends we are not the center of the universe life and the world will keep going without us Mm -hmm. and if we constantly are going 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 and we never take that rhythm of having us a day a 24-hour break um, then we're we we have misplaced and we've made all of those things an idol rather than giving god that place that he will provide for you he will uh, restore you and renew you and he will always make a way 
Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.